Lymphoma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the Lymphoma Hub Podcast. Today we'll be speaking to Susan O'Brien from the University of California, Irvine, US. This is Susan O'Brien. One of the abstracts was an update on the CLL14 trial. And this is a very important trial because it's what led to the approval, at least in the United States so far, of the combination regimen venetoclax and obinutuzumab. This was a randomized trial of venetoclax obinutuzumab versus corambucil obinutuzumab, in, with the primary endpoint being progression-free survival, and it was for previously untreated patients with CLL. The way the regimens were given is the antibodies were given for six months in each arm, and then either the venetoclax or the corambucil was continued for one year, and then both drugs were stopped. So the importance of this regimen is that it's a fixed duration of a small molecule antibody combination. We have previously seen data from this trial before, but now we have about a 39-month update. And what that showed is a significantly better progression-free survival with venetoclax and antibody versus corambucil and antibody. The median PFS was not reached for the venetoclax arm and was almost three years for the corambucil arm, which is actually pretty good for corambucil. And one of the reasons it's thought that this trial may have shown a better PFS in the control arm was that the corambucil was given for 12 months rather than six months. If we look at the three-year progression-free survival rate with venetoclax and obinutuzumab, it was 82%. So the vast majority of people still in remission at three years. And importantly, that's two years off therapy. It does appear that although people with 17P deletion or P53 do better with a, a venetoclax obinutuzumab, their progression-free survival is significantly shorter than those who do not have that deletion. So that continues to be a high-risk group. No difference yet in median overall survival, but very few events as this is a frontline trial. Importantly, very high rates of MRD undetectability in the venetoclax obinutuzumab arm and in patients who have become negative, not even 50% have become MRD positive yet. So we expect to see continued long uh, remissions with this time-limited therapy. We also saw an update of the CAPTIVATE trial. This is an interesting trial combining two small molecules, namely ibrutinib and venetoclax. This was also for frontline CLL. And what we saw here is that we started off with a several-month run-in of ibrutinib. And in all of the small molecule trials that are being combined with venetoclax, that's pretty common. And the reason we have that run-in with ibrutinib, or sometimes if antibodies being used with ibrutinib and antibody also, is in order to decrease tumor load and thus reduce the risk for tumor lysis um, that we see when we go ahead and start the venetoclax. So that was done in this trial with a run-in. This was 164 previously untreated patients. They got the three-cycle run-in ibrutinib, and then they got full-dose ibrutinib and venetoclax for up to 12 cycles. And then MRD status was reassessed. And in patients who were MRD undetectable, they were randomized in a double-blind fashion, one-to-one, -to, -one, to either continue ibrutinib or to go on placebo. And if they were MRD detectable, they were randomized to continue ibrutinib or ibrutinib and venetoclax. Again, placebo controlled on the, on the uh, ibrutinib arm alone, but not on the other one. What we're looking at here is just the 12-month response rate 
in terms of what was the MRD undetectability at that time. And what we saw was that the MRD undetectability rate was quite high. Um, and we also saw that the risk for tumor lysis was very low by the lead-in. So when the patient started venetoclax, the high-risk group had gone from about 24% down to only about 2%. So that prevented a significant number of patients from having to be hospitalized. In terms of MRD undetectability with venetoclax and ibrutinib, it was 75% in the blood and 72% in the bone marrow. And I would point out that this is very similar to what had previously been published by the MD Anderson group using this exact same combination where 12 months, the MRD undetectability rate was on the order of about 75%. So many of these people then uh, were able to go on and, and stop therapy. We haven't seen any data yet on the subsequent follow-ups depending on the randomization. We also haven't seen uh, the response rate in the fixed duration cohort, which was added to the trial um, at the end, and we haven't yet not seen that, but we will with further follow-ups. And then finally, I just wanted to mention the acalabrutinib trial in relapse that was a randomized trial versus either idolicid plus rituximab, or BR, the chemotherapy regimen. And this trial led to the approval of acalabrutinib for relapse CLL, so another important trial. And this was over a 300 uh, patient trial. We're at a median of about two years now. ACAL is significantly prolonged progression-free survival versus either control arm. The progression-free survival median with either control arm was about 16 months, has not yet been reached for ACALA, and the 18-month progression-free survival rate with ACALA was 82%, very high for a relapse regimen. We now know that the common toxicity that we see is headache, although patients develop tachyphylaxis, and this resolves pretty quickly. And we also know that some of the side effects that we see with BTK inhibitors, namely the cardiovascular effects, such as atrial fibrillation and hypertension, appear to be less with acalabrutinib than what we see with ibrutinib. So an exciting new drug to have that provides an option, particularly for patients where maybe we don't want to use ibrutinib because they have a history of atrial fibrillation. Lymphoma Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.